lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thank you for tuning in here today, live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. It is our final show of the week before we head off for Thanksgiving festivities. But just in case you forget our names, I am Steve Dace. That is Todd Erzin. Over there is Aaron McIntyre. And on the other side here is you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com. That is how you can email it. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for me as well on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. You can also look for clips of the show that are free to watch and also free of that pesky, nasty censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Also, if you're looking to make a a tax-deductible donation here uh, at the end of the year, that could also be used to wage war against COVID, Stan. Check out our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. You may have seen the case in Loudoun County, Virginia, about a week ago, where the uh, teacher that had been fired for refusing to acknowledge the silliness and idolatry of pronouns is getting their job back. ADF is who represented them. ADF has as outstanding of a track record on conservative legal activism uh, as we have on the right, which is why. I was uh, righteously disappointed earlier this year when they were not actively engaged in COVID stand. And now that they are taking on that fight, it is on it is on suspension, but it is not yet dead. Biden's attempt, unprecedented attempt to violate every American's bodily autonomy. They're pushing back and fighting against that at Alliance Defending Freedom. If you want to donate to that end, they represent all their clients pro bono uh, and they offer you an opportunity to get a tax deduction for a righteous cause go to adflegal.org slash steve uh, to make that donation i made that donation once adf got in the fight just to show it's not personal man it's just we got a culture to save all right this isn't a time for strategizing it's a time for hill charging and so they're doing that so i I put my money where my mouth is i would encourage you to do the same at adflegal.org slash steve again adf Legal.org slash Steve. Speaking of putting your money where your mouth is, Dr. Scott Atlas has a new book out. He will be joining us here, former White House Coronavirus Task Force advisor. Uh, He will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. It has been a while since we've had Scott on the show. We look forward to that reunion. And even though it is a short week, we are still going to give you one of our most favored segments each and every week. Buy, sell, or hold an entire hour of it coming your way here in the second hour of the program. But before we get there, of course, we begin, as we always do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by The Cult Comes for Kyle. The following is a series of left-wing hot takes in the wake of the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict of last week. We'll begin with Colin Kaepernick, who says, We just witnessed a system built on white supremacy validate the terroristic acts of a white supremacist. This only further validates the need to abolish our current system. White supremacy cannot be reformed. Congresswoman Cori Bush, the judge, the jury, the defendant, it's white supremacy in action. The system isn't built to hold white supremacists accountable. ACL LU of Maryland, dangerous, disgusting, unacceptable white supremacy in the Rittenhouse verdict. New York City Democratic Socialists, a system designed to uphold white supremacy, will never punish those who share its ideals. Sonny, if he were black, would he be free now? No, he wouldn't be alive now. Maybe, you know, 
I've spent a majority of my career working to make the criminal justice system more equitable and clearly it's a lot more work to do. Some blue check mark named Dorica. The whole damn system is guilty. The judge, the jury, the lawyers, and when we call for justice in a system that is already guilty of white supremacy, we give it more power. And today we are being asked to say that it is legal and to respect the rule of law because a white boy deputized himself and went out and terrorized people who were actually, you know, using their constitutional right to protest. Nicole Hannah-Jones, Miss 1619 Project herself, says sarcastically, but Travion Martin deserved to die because he fought back against an aggressor with no weapon. This is the legacy of white supremacy in action. Blue checked Mark named Mikel Jolette to the people saying this is not America. Please stop. Yes, it is. A place where a racist white man with a gun can murder protesters in cold blood protected by an entrenched system steeped in white supremacy. We had to relive this all over again. And every time we've seen it on TV and every time it was brought up and all these attacks on on him and us, those people should be ashamed of themselves. And and we feel like we've been raped. We've been raped by half of the country that supported him. Actor Mark Ruffalo, we come together to mourn the lives lost to the same racist system that devalues black lives and devalued the lives of Anthony and Jojo. This is also white America's reckoning with which version of whiteness is it going to choose? Actress Sophia Bush, the miscarriage of justice today is enraging. This is white supremacy in action. Blue checkmark Amy Carrero, the United States legal system is white supremacy's most loyal patron. Nothing in place culturally or socially to stop the next group of white nationalists, proud boys, MAGA people, whoever they want to take from this verdict what they want and to use it as permission to attack Black Lives Matter. Blue checked Gail Brewer, Joseph Rosenbaum, 36, and Anthony Huber, 26. racism are a toxic combination. Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, racism and white supremacy remain the bedrock of our legal system. My heart breaks for the family and loved ones of those whose lives were stolen. This can't be about racism because the victims are white. No, there have always been white victims of white supremacy. Amnesty International, white supremacy is a threat to human rights. ASAP Science, white supremacy is everywhere. Blue check mark Tiffany Caban, the result is a reminder white supremacy is not the rot, it's literally the whole damn foundation. One, it is to tell the current and future Kyle Rittenhouses of the world that they can engage in white vigilantism and be let off for it, be defended and protected for uh, perpetuating white supremacy. Derek Johnson of the NAACP, the verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is a reminder of the treacherous role that white supremacy and privilege play within our legal system. Blue check Chip Franklin, the system will bend to defend white privilege and white supremacy. Here's the thing, the Black Lives Matter protests Blue check Sunrise Movement, system built to uphold white supremacy. Pod Save America, laws are shaped by white supremacy. Races, system was designed to uphold white supremacy. The free Kyle uh, t-shirts and Kyle did nothing wrong types of t-shirts have been going on for, for you know, uh, have been inside the white supremacy movement and had mainstreamed itself into the Republican Party world. Dean Abadila from SiriusXM, white privilege is driving from one state to another with your AR-15 to oppose Black Lives Matter protests, kill two people, and then walk free. Planned Parenthood of South Carolina, the system was built to protect white supremacy. Blue check Mark Jamar Tisby, PhD, 
Vigilantism has always been most used and deployed in the service of white supremacy. California Governor Gavin Newsom, you can break the law, carry around weapons built for a military, shoot and kill people and get away with it. That's the message we've just sent to the armed vigilantes across the nation. There's two different justice systems in this country. There's one for African-Americans and there's one for the rest, including the police department. We had a white supremacist in the White House and it opened the door to this floodgate of, of vigilante violence. Stan Van Gundy, the next white vigilante, will be encouraged to pick up his rifle and go looking for someone to shoot and the chance to be a hero. The fact that white supremacists roam the halls of Congress freely and celebrate this little murderous white supremacist. Ibram X. Kendi, they are fighting to maintain white male supremacy. Hey, I hate to make this about race, but it is about race. These people's brains are broken. Do not fear them. And that's what happened while we were away. All right. I'm going to give Todd and Aaron, even though Aaron already watched this because he put it together. Uh, I'm going to give the two of you a minute before we react because I- I'm at a, I'm at a 75 on the let's go scale. Yeah. Okay. That, that's where I'm at right now. Actually, I'm at about a, I, I just, it just went up now that I even said it. So I'm like, I'm at like a 78 or a 79 right now. All right. Like I'm, I'm absolutely like, let me give out my private address of where I live and I'll be there in a couple hours. And why don't we discuss this in a, more intimate face-to-face setting, so to speak. So why don't we take a minute before we actually start talking about this <laughs> All right. on a live show, okay? And let me tell you about the softness season at Tommy John, because right now, right now, I need to be softened up here after watching that, Okay. Um, it's available for Black Friday. Stock up on your favorite Tommy John underwear, loungewear, and pajamas. Uh, when you start your day wearing Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable so that you do everything better. Shop their Black Friday sale right now and give the gift of comfort to everyone on your list, including yourself, with Tommy John's men's and women's loungewear, underwear. I wear this stuff all the time. It is fantastic. Over 16 million pairs of underwear and loungewear from Tommy John sold. And that's why they don't just have customers over there. They have fanatics. It's the only underwear I've bought the last few years. They gave me a few for free, and that's all I buy now. I love this stuff so much. So make sure you take advantage of it right now. Uh, You can get 20% off right now for a limited time only, the entire store site-wide, when you go to TommyJohn.com slash Steve. 20% off everything you want. At the site right now, tommyjohn.com slash Steve to get 20% off right now at tommyjohn.com slash Steve. Okay. I'm a little calmer. A little. How about you guys? A little calmer? Nope. Huh? No? Nope. All right. I'm going to talk for a bit before I go to you then. How's that? Okay. Whatever you think best, boss. Yeah, because I am a little calmer. Little. A little calmer than I was. Um. In my opinion, again, this is this is my opinion now. All right.
much of what was just watched is irredeemable. I, I don't I don't say that lightly. I don't I don't say it gleefully. And you know, we had a conversation along these lines last week and and you brought up, hey man, you know, Saul on the road to Damascus, right? Mm-hmm. How did I? Do you remember how I responded mm-hmm. to you on that one? Yeah. Yeah. Who who intervened on that one? Uh, the Lord. The Lord's like, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna handle this one on my own. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. I mean, we weren't sending evangelists. Jewish Christians weren't sending evangelists and missionaries to knock on Saul of Tarsus' door back home in Jerusalem. Right. There was not like a. You know. They were fleeing Saul. I mean, they, they weren't. There was not like an active seeking of a discourse. Right given his actions of holding tunics uh, during stonings and encouraging more of the same, correct? Yep. So when I say something is irredeemable, I mean, I, I'm, I'm talking beyond our own scope. I don't think anything's irredeemable beyond the scope of a sovereign God, creator of the universe. But there are some cases that the Lord himself, not just sovereignly acting through us, but like, independent of us are just the concrete or as Aaron put it, the the busted brain is so broken that an attempt to reason with it will be seen as an offense. That the idolatry runs so deep that an attempt that that it it cannot permit the notion of someone having a different opinion because in the confidence of its own superiority there is no discussion to be had and i i don't know how long that was i mean i bet it was only like 3 minutes it felt like it was 45 minutes long like i wanted that to end no offense Aaron that's a sign of a job well done i wanted that thing to end about 20 seconds into it okay i i mean that that was a hard watch It's vile. It's dishonest. I'm sure there's at least a few people that are just saying these things and writing them for effect. Because it, it's what they're paid to do or think. That doesn't make it any better. In fact, that almost makes it worse. But I promise you, many of the voices there are sincere to some degree. And why are they sincere to some degree? Because they know where this leads. We were talking yesterday about Bill Maher is right now. It, it appears he has decided to anoint himself as an Ezekiel watchman on the wall for the Democratic Party. Do you know where this is heading? You guys know where this is going, right? Like, and he's just out. He's been hinting at this with attempts to inject common sense back into the Democratic Party's um, bloodstream and zeitgeist for the better part of the last year, right? It's almost like without Trump now that that Bill feels it's safe to go ahead and, and actually be sane, okay? And, and now he's upped at a level in the last few days. I mean, he did an open plea to the Democratic Party in his closing montage on Saturday night. He then went on with Chris Cuomo and handed him his lunch on critical race theory. 
He has decided, you guys know where this, do you guys understand where this ends? This doesn't, we, we lose 100 House seats and Donald Trump is president again. That's where this ends, right? Do you guys, do you understand this? And, and for much of what is represented in the montage that Aaron presented us today, that cannot be reasoned with. That is Alfred talking to Bruce Wayne in the dark night about the village chieftain that they tried to buy off with gems and, and rubies. And he just kept committing atrocities and still had all the gems and rubies. And Bruce asked why, because some men just want to watch the world burn. What you witnessed there, I don't know how else to put it, so I'll just put it the only way I know how, was satanic. There was, there was an absence of truth there. He didn't take a weapon across state lines. Nobody black was harmed or killed. The entire exchange was among white people. And you don't have a constitutional right to destroy other people's property. Or the community's property. Other than that, everything else I thought was pretty much represented accurately. Other than getting wrong virtually the facts, the material facts of every single claim. Now, one NBA commentator, former NBA All-Star Richard Jefferson, admitted yesterday that he got several facts wrong and he owned up to it. So far, he stands alone. There can be no sharing of a, of a country with this. And it's not because we're not willing to find some level of accommodation because we just would like to continue enjoying the complacency and, and largesse and, and gratuitous generosity from our creator that is being an American, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think we have clearly demonstrated for the better part of the last generation, which is one of the reasons, frankly, we're in this mess, that we are willing to tolerate all forms of wickedness and depravity if we just get to be left alone and have our own lives, right? We're past that now. We are past that now. The stuff that we told you for years they really meant when they said it is the stuff now that they just really say and do. We're, we're past this now. Like you may think Aunt Petunia... The, 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 your cat lady communist um, aunt at Thanksgiving with her crazed opinions. You may, when she leaves, you know, you and your wife may talk and you might suspect she might think you're all a bunch of not, you guys are a bunch of Nazi racists. But as long as it's never really said, you don't really go there. You haven't crossed a Rubicon. You haven't gone across, you know, we used to do these schoolyard fights when I was a kid and we'd draw the little line in the playground, cross this line, your ass was mine. And, and we, I don't know if you guys used to do that. And Aaron went to homeschool, so he doesn't know what I'm talking about. But you know, the, the expectation was though, you cannot cross that. Right. It's, and it was literally like a scene out of a Christmas story. All right. With the kid, you know, Scotty Schwartz putting his mouth on the pole. Okay. With the triple dog dare. Um, if you cross that line, and didn't throw hands. I mean, 
you were going to have to move schools. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it was different where you went to school, but that's what we called it at Jackson Park Junior High in Grand Rapids, Michigan. If you cross this line, your ass was mine. And if you cross that line and didn't throw hands, you were going to have to move schools. Right? That's just the dude code. There was just a certain code, right? You had to be, had to be done. So don't draw that line in the playground. Don't draw that line in the playground unless you really mean it. Don't do this hastily. You can't take back any of those things. And I don't think anybody in any of that in anybody in that montage would want to. And I hope you can see from my tone of voice that that the only way I could simmer down the bile is to discuss this from a from a tone and a premise of regret. Because some of this failure belongs to us. We emboldened this. We didn't spank this many years ago when we had the numbers and the control and the power. We punted. We punted basically for a generation here. And now, now they're on national television. Now they run your school board. Now they're just not the crazy faculty at the university that you train your kid to avoid and just tune out to get the, do what, just do what you got to do to get the grade and get the hell out of there. We did that for how many years did we do that? Or they're just writing for Mother Jones and nobody reads that. No, I mean, they're nationally televised anchors now. This is all out in the open now. And I regret that we permitted to let it get this far because I also regret the level of confrontation it's going to take to end this. And then I even more regret the fact that it probably won't be singularly successful in just our time and our children, my children and grandchildren will have to spend at least some time cleaning up the mess we are poised to leave them. Because we found other things more important. And so our grandparents, or for some of you, your parents, they ended Sovietism and fascism and Nazism in foreign lands. And then on our watch, we allowed it to be imported into the homeland. And so here we are. The only way to defeat that is to defeat it. It will not be reasoned with. It has to be cast out. And it will have to be confronted directly. Even peaceable confrontations will be very uncomfortable. When this level of idolatry is this emboldened, this is Romans 1 now. This is, you're watching what it looks like when people have been given over to their own depraved minds. This is going to be a very unfun era in which we live. The check that the last boomer generation wrote, where we're still going to Rolling Stones tours when they're in their 80s, we're going to, Uncle Bingo is going to cash that check in this generation. We're going to pay for that now. And it will be very uncomfortable, which is why when things like Thanksgiving come up, man, enjoy the hell out of them. 
I know I've got emails from several of you that are like, so for now with the with with the injunction against the Biden OSHA mandate, my company has, you know, stopped the saber rattling on forced injections. You know, but it just feels like the sword of Damocles is coming. I I'm telling you, don't be like that. Because if it's not this sort of Damocles, it'll just be another one. This is a hydra, as Todd likes to say. It is a tumor. It's a cancer, as Todd likes to say. Cancers metastasize. This is going to have to be irradiated. So I think we should learn to have the opposite. Stop taking for granted what every previous generation of Americans before us was able to. If right now you have a temporary reprieve from... Wondering, is today the day I've got to go to war with my job? Enjoy that. Don't, don't look ahead to the coming confrontation. Enjoy the time, the respite you have right now. Enjoy it. There aren't going to be many respites, folks. Because when they know what's coming and they don't care, when, when the guy who penned re- religious is now the watchman on the wall of common sense, When they understand, they they know what their numbers are better than we do. Guys, this morning, instead of just going back to our own domestic oil production, they chose to unleash from our strategic, strategic petroleum reserve just to get a respite over Thanksgiving travel time and holiday travel time. That's how invested they are in this. They would weather, They would rather weaken us strategically then just do the common sense thing of, why don't we just pump more oil? You know, we did the previous four years. So, so stop having like long-term plans and views. Don't. Stop worrying about what next year is going to be like or the year after. Don't. Start thing, seeing things right now in very existential short segments. For now, there's a reprieve from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Enjoy that. Take that load off your Thanksgiving, probably the rest of your year. Your Christmas would be my guess. Enjoy these holidays. Do it up, man. Be an American. Do not look at reprieves as stays of execution. Look at them as shore leave from an omnipresent culture war that you are now, you and I are now going to have to wage and endure until we're called home or until we hit the ash heap, whatever comes first here. Because that that won't be that won't be bargained with. That won't be accommodated. You can't negotiate with that. Just throw in some Arabic and some surahs from the Quran, and those might as well have been ayatollahs. That's going to have to be defeated. So I think I, I ran out enough clock that I might be safe throwing it to you now, correct? Because you've only literally got about two yeah. minutes to get me fired, okay? We have a grand failure of men above all else in leading us to this point. My children know and even their friends know. 
one of the mottos of my family is dumb is not fun. You have a lot of fun. Once it gets to that line, that line you've talked about, you go over that. Nope, you get smacked around. Dumb is not fun, and we relish in dumb. My whole attitude about this going forward, Aaron, if he could cue it right now, he would just run that scene from Tombstone, where Billy Bob Thornton has been running that casino uh, and scaring everybody, and he's he's just a bully, but he's a common bully. There's no real meat to him, but every all the men there have shunned their duties as men to stand up to him. There's way more of him, them, than him. And then one day... Kurt Russell comes walking in there, just looks in his eyes, sizes him up, says, this game is over, and you know it's over, and you can see it in my eyes. That's where I live. Aaron, what were your thoughts as you were putting this together for the show today? So, just very quickly, we're not in big, this show has never really been big into, uh, look at the crazy unhinged left, ha 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 ha, but there are moments, this was one of them, where there is a more transcendent and larger point to mm-hmm, make. Mm-hmm. And it is the uh, it is the complete and total invasion of the cult. Look at all of the lies that were embraced in that montage. Uh, police sh- showed up, shot and killed Jacob Blake. This par- sparked peaceful protests. A white supremacist showed up carrying a rifle from out of state and went looking for people to shoot. You said it was an absence of truth and demonic. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly why it's so successful. Dr. Scott Atlas will join us next. Well, it's an honor to have him back in advance of his book that is released coming up on December the 7th. Pre-orders available right now at Amazon.com. The name of the book, A Plague Upon Our House, My Fight at the Trump White House to Stop COVID from Destroying America. And Dr. Scott Atlas from Stanford University, former member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, joins us now and author of that book. Scott, it is good to see you again. Brother, how you been? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Steve. So uh, I, I want to start with a simple question, Scott. I mean, over the last year and a half, you and I have had several conversations on this show and gotten into a lot of details about COVID. I, I want to have a, a, a start with a meta question, Scott. What is science? You know, science is supposed to be uh, the free exchange of ideas and debate using the evidence and uh, ultimately arriving at, at what are truths, not by decree, not by a false consensus, but by you know what, what the evidence actually shows. And uh, that is not, as your question implies, what is science today? What science is today, and I think this is one of the key things that uh, must be addressed, is science has become politicized. Science is used to declare false consensus, to smear uh, others, to stop, literally thwart any expression of disagreement or any view that is not consistent with what is the prevailing narrative, whether that narrative is true or false. And so science uh, in this pandemic is really one of the serious, um, really catastrophic outcomes. I I don't know how to say it otherwise, because without science and the free exchange of ideas, we will never arrive at the truths that we need to solve what are inevitably going to come, which is a future crisis. 
because of what you did at Hoover Institution there at Stanford, you're not um, unfamiliar with the intersection of public policy and healthcare. That's one of the things you guys do out there. So you weren't completely a novice when it came to interacting in these two realms as they coincided with one another. Well, if I can interrupt, I I just want to set the record straight here because this has been just so misunderstood and mischaracterized. I've been in my job full time is healthcare policy Mm -hmm. for more than a decade at Hoover. I have 15 plus years in healthcare policy, and that's uh, on the back end of 25 years of medical science. I'm a doctor, but I've been in high level academic medicine, which means research, clinical care and teaching. For 25 years, so my full-time job for more than a decade is healthcare policy. It's not. It's not. If I, if I can be so bold as to say, it's a lot more than just I'm not a novice about healthcare policy. Right. That's what I was saying. You're clearly not a novice. That's what I was laying out. Were your credentials along those lines? So I am. I am curious, and I think the audience would be too. When you got into the belly of the beast, when you got on the task force, when you saw, when you got in the inside of the sausage making factory, and before that, you're showing up on shows like this, you're writing columns in the Hill, looking at data and wondering, why are we making the decisions we're making? What's going on? What's behind them? When you got into the belly of the beast and you saw how the sausage was made, Scott, what was the biggest lesson or truth that you learned about that process? Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, I came in in August, as you know, uh, six, seven months after the task force was functioning in its level of function headed by Dr. Burks, uh, who was the head of the task force medical side, the task force coordinator officially, and the most influential member to the public, of course, was Dr. Fauci. So after six months of that, I was asked to help. And what I saw uh, was a tremendous shocking level of, uh, well, incompetence, really, a a lack of critical thinking. I'll say it that way. That's probably more accurate. We had people, Drs. Fauci and Burks are in government bureaucrat positions for 40 years. Okay. That's very different from somebody who comes in uh, as a, as a person who's full-time critical thinker about the academic and policy issues involved in healthcare. And so I brought in, as I'll give you a couple of illustrations here. What do I mean by they were functioning differently? Well, I was the only one. I would bring in a dozen or two dozen scientific publications with the latest data from all over the world. I was speaking to some of the world's best epidemiologists every day, every other day for months, including in the White House. I would bring in these papers. And when I was asked my opinion at a task force meeting, I would cite the data. I would go through the data. I would I would criticize studies or not criticize studies. I would talk about every single thing and then I would finish. There was never a refutation of anything I said based on data by those people, by the other doctors on the task force. Never did they cite a scientific paper. Never did they critique a scientific paper. Never did anyone bring one into the room except me. And so that that's not a scientific a way to talk about things. The second difference I can tell you was that um, I spoke as a health policy uh, person about the impact on all health of the policy and the illness here. There was never anyone in the room that I saw that ever mentioned the impact of the lockdowns, which were 
not just failing to stop the spread of the infection, not just failing to protect the elderly, but they were actively destroying. The lockdowns destroyed millions of people and sacrificed our children. I was the only one doing what is obvious that is necessary as an ethical and moral public health uh, you know, designer is to talk about what the impact on public health was, not just on stopping COVID-19 at all costs. And then one other example is that as you see, uh, you know, you've seen the quotes from Dr. Burks that she was upset that, uh, quote, parallel streams of information, unquote, were coming into the president that she didn't know about personally. Okay, my goal was to bring information to the president. I'm an advisor to the president. Uh, but everyone in the, in the country should thank God that he wasn't just listening to one person with some kind of a funnel. Uh, I brought in as a specific example, medical science experts. This isn't even known, it's in my book though, uh, from all over the country. Some of the people who were doing the research on the pandemic to speak to the president in the Oval Office, Sci medical scientists and public health experts from UCLA, Harvard, Stanford, Tufts University, pediatric infectious disease experts. These were people, by the way, who were also consultants to the CDC and the FDA. I brought them in. Dr. Burks refused to go to the meeting. Hmm. Okay, she refused to go. And this, this meeting was unfortunately suppressed from the press. I wanted to have Q&A with the press there. The political side said no. The political side, they didn't want to, quote, rock the boat hmm. uh, and upset Drs. Burks and Fauci. If they, you know, Dr. Dr. Burks refused to go and the meeting was almost scuttled because of that. And I insisted the meeting occurred because the president needs to know the information. But this is this is um, this shouldn't even have to be said, really. But this is a shock. And this shows what a bureaucrat does. Bureaucrats are interested in their own position, their own authority. They're threatened. I'm making generalizations here, but this is what I saw. I am used to being challenged scientifically. When I walk into a room at Hoover Institution or in my jobs at Stanford University Medical Center or anywhere else I work, Penn, University of Chicago, Northwestern, you better know the data. You walk in, you better know, you win the argument based upon knowing more, not on ad hominem attacks, not on going to your friends in the media and saying, oh, Atlas is an outlier. Okay, everything Atlas says is false was, was one of the things that was said. I mean, it was really comical, except it was very harmful, very harmful to the American people. There was nothing more, uh, I think, uh, really problematic for inducing fear in the American public than making everyone think, quote, the president doesn't listen to the science, okay, or or that I personally don't know what I'm talking about. It had nothing to do with my personal uh, you know, feeling about it. My goal was to stop people from dying. And the policies that were recommended by Drs. Burks and Fauci, these were the official policies of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Dr. Burks wrote, authored all of the written advice to the states, to the governors on behalf of the task force. She was the official policy voice. She visited dozens of states. I visited one state, Florida. Okay, they did something different. But Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci recommended the lockdowns, the restrictions, the business closures, the school closures, the curfews, the, uh, 
you know, personal movement restrictions. Those policies were implemented for the entire year throughout almost the entire country before, during, and after my time in Washington. And those policies failed. Yet now, as you didn't ask me, but I'll say it, we see Dr. Burks going and criticizing people like me who, who were opposed to what was implemented for the failure of what was implemented. And what was implemented was what she personally recommended with Dr. Fauci. So these are the Burks-Fauci lockdowns and they failed to stop the infection. They failed to stop the dying and they destroyed millions and millions of people. You answered about seven questions I was going to ask in that answer. Um, that was phenomenal. Let, uh, let's get to the future in the few minutes we have left here. Sure. Because, you know, to me, there have been two constants of this pandemic, Scott. One is no control groups, okay? Because control groups get us to observational truth and objective facts. And so last year when the debate was over lockdowns, Sweden suddenly doesn't exist. It's a country that has disappeared from the globe. This year, we blame everything on the unvaccinated because we can't have a true measure of the efficacy of the vaccines or the therapeutics and how often they have to reboost it. And the second thing is... Whatever you can't say on social media right now is always proven true three to nine months later. So, you know, if I had, if, when, when our book came out in March, you still could not post on social media that you believe the virus was man-made or escaped from a lab. Um, if, if I had said back in, in March that looking at the trial information from Pfizer, it doesn't really account for mutations and variants. So you might be looking at, you know, waning efficacy or boosters by the end of the year, let alone fourth shots like the Israeli health ministry is talking now, I'd have been banned for saying that. And yet that's exactly what's in the news now. The trust that's been broken here, Scott, between the average American and the healthcare system, the, the idea that we still tell people we, that we can't treat a respiratory virus with anything other than wait till you're blue in the face and we'll put you on a ventilator and hopefully you don't die. Uh, and if you're not vaccinated, you don't deserve healthcare. How we, how's that breach going to ever be repaired, Scott, ever? Yeah, well, I mean, this is really one of the main uh, reasons why I wrote the book. It wasn't the book was written to stop to, to, to set the record straight, really, on what happened to make people aware of who was in charge. And the the we can never let that happen again, that people who are claimed to be experts are sloppy thinkers, not up to speed on the data and misleading. And uh, we cannot ignore the big uh, problem, which is like you said, the loss of trust in experts. So how do you fix that? I mean, the first thing is people are now in a different position. Credentials don't mean the end of the world here. What we need to make sure people realize is that critical thinking does. If you're, if you, you don't have to be a scientist to be a critical thinker, but you better be a critical thinker if you want to say you're a scientist. Mm -hmm. And now on us, all of us individuals, to be critical thinkers, to look at, figure out who to trust on the basis of what? On the basis of who's consistent, of who cites the data, of who uh, is uh, sort of credible uh, on the basis of how they're talking about the issues. And uh, we need to have a, a, a make sure that we have an airing of the, the ideas here. We have to have a free exchange of ideas without it's not enough for university, uh, really, professors and university leaders have been the worst offenders of all, in my view. They're, they're, first of all, they're cowards. Second of all, they're frauds. 
Why do I say that? Because they're they're claiming they're for freedom of speech just because you don't get fired. Okay, but freedom of speech does not mean just that. It means be able to speak without intimidation, censure, rebuke, and fear. And this fear and censure has been very effective in silencing people. I got over 100 emails from scientists all over the country during this saying, uh, you know, keep speaking, Scott, you're exactly correct, but we're afraid to step forward. I got those emails from people inside Stanford University. I got those emails from people inside the NIH. I mean, this is very dangerous. If people are afraid to step up and speak freely we and debate the issues, mm. we will never be a fact-based country and the policies that are made are going to be irrational and very harmful like what we saw. We need to make sure that enough people understand that, you know, this is one of the things I hope I accomplished, which was to give some people a little more courage to step forward. We need people to step forward, to step up and speak out about what truth is and debate the issues. And when we have that system negated on our university campuses and in our scientific journals by politicized speech, this is a disaster. By the way, these university professors, they're teaching our young people. Okay, the next generation must be learning not just critical thinking, but they must be learning that the free exchange of ideas here is essential. They cannot be taught to rebuke people, to censor people, uh, to intimidate and harass people personally, which is what has been done on university campuses. So this is a process now. Americans need to know they personally must bear the responsibility for learning and being able to sort of... Uh, deduce what is what is important for the best decisions for themselves and their family. They need to, to now take it in a more active role. You cannot blindly trust experts. In exactly. fact, I'm, I'm so, I'm so uh, worried that I actually look at, I've never thought I'd say this, but I look at data from other countries and I think, you know, this may be more reliable than our own yep. nations. Amen. Amen. Okay? Amen. I mean that guys, you have to get this book. I'll just tell you to your face, Scott. We've talked about it plenty of times without you on the show. I think you're a damn hero, okay? I absolutely, and I don't use that term lightly. I don't know that how often I've even tossed it around because I'm beyond jaded, okay? Um, but I, I think you're a damn hero. And what you tried well, to do, you thank you, actually, for what you tried to do for stepping up when so many others, as you pointed out, stepped down or stepped away. All right, get this book, A Plague Upon Our House, My Fight at the Trump White House to Stop covid from Destroying America. It comes out on December the 7th from Dr. Scott Atlas. God bless you, brother. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll definitely have you Same back. You. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You got it. We'll come back. I, I want to have something to say about the conversation we just had. And then we will play our little game of buy, sell, or hold here with Hour 2 on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Stay tuned. We are back with Hour 2 live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Uh, let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for us as well on MeWe Parlor, Gab, and Getter. And then look for clips of the show that you can watch for free without any censorship as well at rumble.com slash Show. 
If you're a podcast listener, thank you. Please, if you haven't done so yet, hit subscribe slash follow. Leave us a five-star review. Those things help us to grow. So many of you have done that already, and we thank each and every one of you. You know you have homeowner's insurance for a good reason, because without it, uh, whether it's a fire, flood, or a burglary, it could end up hampering, maybe even destroying you financially. But there's another major crime that your homeowner's policy doesn't cover. And it's called home title fraud. Uh, It is one of the fastest growing crimes out there. That's why you want an ally like Home Title Lock, because title fraud happens when a criminal charges your or or forges your signature on documents stating you've sold your home to them. And then they take out loans against your home and leave you with the payments. It can cost a small, maybe not so small fortune in legal fees trying to undo this, make it. Uh, clear that it wasn't you that did this, that a fraud was committed against you. Let Home Title Lock put a barrier around your home's title so that the instant they detect anyone from attempting to tamper with it, uh, they will mobilize to shut it down. So uh, go to HomeTitleLock.com right now, register your address to see if you're already a victim. And then while you're there, enter the code radio for 30 free days of protection. That's the code radio for 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. The conversation we just had with Dr. Scott Atlas, and and at the end of it, at the end of it, I had a brainstorm. When we come back from our Christmas break in January, we are going to do a Theology Thursday book study with his book. Hmm. Why are we going to do a Theology Thursday book study with his book? Because I, I think it's important to take the, the zealous level of idolatry that we are up against on a spiritual, cultural level in this country. And, and let's take it away from strictly a theoretical explanation, a hermeneutical assumption or, or, or conclusion an exegetical assertion, those are all terms of value, but they're all theory, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, because when the, when, the, when the Bible describes the idolatry of the, of the Jewish people to go into the valley of Ben-Hinnom and cast their babies into the fire to Malok, it doesn't use term, the, the terms hermeneutic, epistemological, um, exegetical are nowhere in any of those passages. It just says they went down and did this evil thing in the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, casting their babies into the fire to Malok. We came up with these terms. These are fancy terms to, you know, theoretically or philosophically describe these actions. I think we need to have a very sober eyewitness account of exactly what these terms mean from a guy that, when very few others were willing, including very few even working in the White House, from a guy who went into the lion's den, man, the belly of the beast, and took it on head on. And he's going to give us an eyewitness report of what it was, because this is transcendent. This, what, what, what he was up against is not just present in covid it's, it's when President Trump says, we're going to stop having trainee soldiers, and the Pentagon says, yeah, not so much. 
It's when the FBI, the intelligence community, and the media get together and say, let's just concoct a coup attempt called Russian collusion with a fake P-tape that actually was Hillary Clinton campaign propaganda. Um, virtually everything that we have witnessed over the last few years stems from this evil seed. And I think that it would be, I think it would be a fruitful and productive conversation to have this, to look at this in its natural habitat as it plays itself out and not just discussing it in theological or philosophical terms. Thoughts? Not only do love I it. love it, but providentially, you're going to get some practice about going down that road in the overtime. Oh, okay. You asked us to surprise you uh, yeah. this time, and it dovetails perfectly okay. with this. All right. You like it too, Aaron? I love the idea, and I've had, I've, I think I've pitched several times ideas of looking at, uh, and this is not the enemy's playbook here, but I've, I've pitched the idea several times of doing Theology Thursday series on a book written by somebody uh, from the spirit of the ages camp, doing a, a three-dimensional thinking exercise. This kind of falls into that, in, in my opinion, um, but I think it's important nonetheless because what uh, what Mark Meadows yesterday, Peter Navarro a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Scott Atlas today are describing, I, I would like to think it's just... It's just office space type of uh, type of just uh, and and the office. I, I would like to think it's just that type of really banal um, kind of self preservation from a lot of these players whose names you know. That it's just bureaucratic stapler guy or bureaucratic trying to get to the top, bureaucratic CYAs all all over all over the place. But um, what Atlas has described. It goes beyond that, in my opinion. To me, now he's a guy, he's done this several times on the show. He does not enjoy not being precise. He stopped you when he, you thought... When he thought he I was thought, going to say something I wasn't going to say. Yeah, and yeah. He, he thought, well, he's not going to go far enough here. Let me correct the record and mm -hmm. tell you I, I actually am the expert here. Um, that strikes me as he walked into the room and the Burkses and the Fauci's at all said, uh, why come you no got a tattoo? I thought we had settled on a narrative here. Right. Who the hell is this guy? Right. That is, that is, that goes beyond, that goes beyond typical bureaucratic CYA self-preservation. Yes. That's cult-like thinking. That's exactly what it is. And you mentioned the interviews we've done in the last uh, week or two now with Peter Navarro, senior advisor to President uh, Trump, essentially his China czar, uh, and, and Mark Meadows. Who was his chief of chief of staff? That's 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 maybe the most powerful unelected position or unconfirmed appointed position in the entire federal government. And now Scott Atlas. And unfortunately, they confirm. If you put these three interviews together, they confirm everything we conjectured and analyzed and feared as we were following this from the outside in a year ago in, in the Trump White House. They confirmed it all. And that's disappointing. It's painful, but I also think it's a lesson that can make that pain have a purpose to not be repeated and to not 
you know, we got blindsided by Kavanaugh. We got blindsided by collusion. We got blindsided by COVID. Not going to be blindsided anymore. They're just going to run the same playbook on virtually everything. That's what the spirit of the age does, right? Yeah. And if we had a sane public policy, if if we were not a country under severe spiritual attack right now, we would, we would start from this premise by looking at data and we would realize that we do not know even the long-term or we, don't, we do not know the long-term ramifications of even an asymptomatic exposure to COVID. We don't know. And I think that becomes even more of a question, frankly, the more we acknowledge its malicious origin. The more we acknowledge its malicious origin, then therefore, to me, the more variables about what it could eventually do or develop on, upon exposure, I think probably needs to be put on the table. If I'm not going to not be what I'm, if, even if it doesn't affirm the narrative I prefer, I, I'm going to pursue critical thinking. That, that's, it, it's almost genetic for me. I have to do it. Like it's a compulsion. So would it be a would I be a critical thinker if I said on here on, on one hand I think the virus is of malicious origin and not entirely natural and then on the other hand said but you don't have to worry about even an asymptomatic exposure and treat it like every other virus that has evolved naturally in the wild would that make me a critical thinker no no those two things they they possibly could turn out to be true okay they could turn out to be true but can, but can I say that equivocally right now no no. So really, this is more about I would this would be about furthering a narrative than trying to seek objective truth, right? Likely, yes. Yes. On the other hand, now that we have the Israeli Ministry of Health saying fourth injections are inevitable, we told you a few months ago Canada's already bought boosters for the next three years from Pfizer. We don't know what the long-term ramifications are for injecting this level of experimental technology into this many masses of people and then doing it repeatedly. So you're multiplying that risk ratio every round. You're just running it back over and over again. It's 5 billion doses this year, 5 billion doses next year, 5 billion doses the year after that. We don't know. Because we're not, we're not. Pfizer just came out and said that it's 100% 100%, effective, Steve. Right. Because here's the thing, we're not, we're not, they did do that actually. I know. We're not targeting people here. We're doing mass injections. You see my point? We're not, we're not, we're not specifically going after high risk groups and re-injecting them because they're at high risk. We are re-injecting masses of people regardless of their risk ratio, including children now. We have no idea what the long-term ramifications of that are. None. And we're not just doing it. You've heard the phrase, you don't, you don't vaccinate into a pandemic. <laughs> That's when we are talking even about traditional methods of vaccination. This is a technology we've never mass injected into humans ever before. Ever. 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 It's a method of vaccination that's never been used. Ever. We don't know what the long-term consequences are for that. Everybody right now within the sound of my voice is taking a risk. Everybody is. No one is not taking a risk here, and there have been no mitigation efforts that have proven to be foolproof. In fact, their very own therapeutics no longer will stop you from getting the virus, as the twice-vaccinated Prime Minister of France just learned yesterday. 
nor will they stop you from spreading it. They don't stop you from getting it or spreading it. So since we have no foolproof method of mitigating transmission, and everybody's taking a risk, whether it's an asymptomatic exposure to a virus of malicious origin, which may be a bioweapon, or it might be repeated exposure and injections of a subst- an experimental substance we've never put into human beings before. If there was ever a moment for, for allowing matters of conscience to reign, because we're all taking a risk, and other people may decide one risk factor and one risk path of risk is better for them than another. This should be the moment for conscience. Instead, it's become a moment for coercion. And that's because we're not sane. We're under spiritual attack. Anything else you guys want to add from our interview with Atlas before we move on? Nope, I'm good. It was yep. good to have him back, though. Indeed. It was good to have him back. And it, it's good that he came back. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say came back, I don't mean our show. I mean, like, into the arena. Yes. After what he experienced, I, dude, I would not have... I would not have questioned him at all. He said, I gave it a shot, guys. You know what I mean? I, I, I took my toothbrush and attacked the windmill and, you know, um, I got rebuked. So I did my tour of duty. No, he's, he's coming back for more. So I, I just think that guy is a total badass. Let's get to Buy, Seller, Hold, brought to you by Built Bar, the absolute greatest protein bar of all time. And I'm not even slightly exaggerating. All right. At our monthly poker game last night, I've got buddies now that are bringing built bars as their poker night treats. That's how much that's how much built bar has seeped into now the uh, the, the the water table around me. That's how much I love this product. I am like a full throated. I'm not even a pitch man at this point. I'm like a built bar evangelist. Somebody okay? asked me the other day at uh, at uh, family uh, Thanksgiving. On my wife's side, who who listens to the show, um, so what's a what's a typical day like for you? Do you guys like do any planning or stuff before the show? And I just said no. Most most days, Steve literally just comes in here and talks about raves about whatever new built bar flavor he's had. <laughs> Todd, back me up on that. That's like sixty percent of the days. That's it. Yeah. And that ruby chocolate built bar puff, man, that's still righteous. Okay. So if you want to try the best protein bar of all time, all covered in real chocolate or caramel uh, and not loaded with carbs and sugars and calories, but loaded with flavor and protein, use my last name, Dace, as your promo code right now, D-E-A-C-E, promo code Dace. When you go to built.com, get 15% off at built.com promo code dace 15% off at built.com with the promo code dace let's get to buy seller hold each week aaron with a lot of help from you in the audience we'll throw at todd you and me a series of predictions and lists and uh, statements on varying subjects you and i will decide are we buying that are we selling it and uh it's it's thanksgiving week so if you have to use your hold this week you won't have to do anything to lindsey graham Okay. Mm. You'll have to let him do it to you. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
All right, Aaron, go ahead. You say Couple. you're like trying to keep me from going off the edge. That's not helping, you know? Just, I kind of lured you in yeah. and then dropped the hammer on you. Yeah. Did you like that? Okay. couple of points of order before we get started here. Um, this, uh, uh, as you noted, Steve, this is done with a lot of help from the audience. We have 27, 27 submissions to get to and even more if we get through that. So a lot to get to. Okay. Most of them. Most of them are frivolous, which is good. Some of them are serious, but most of them are frivolous and Thanksgiving and uh, football and family and tradition related, which is what I asked for. Uh, secondly, as well, because of the because we are serious about our frivolity here, especially around this time of the year, uh, for for the Mount Rushmore submissions. Instead of buying one at a time, you have to buy or sell whole cloth. Okay. We have to like get the these. whole monument. We have to get gotcha. these right here. All right. All right. So okay. we will begin with Truth Over Vax, who says Judge Schrader's performance, that's the judge in the Rittenhouse trial, combined with Ron Johnson's tenacity on vaccines and election fraud shows, Wisconsin gets it, and thus they'll be the only state with the guts to decertify the 2020 election. I'm going to let you answer this first. I mean, it, it, this is your habitat. You're going back home for the holiday. What do you think? So, no, I, I, Wisconsin is, I mean, Tommy Thompson was like the uh, uh, Terry Branstad of, that's uh, not, I mean, it's, it's not a, it's, it's a lot closer to purple than um, people think. So um, common sense there. You know, there's Madison, obviously. I mean, I grew up there. And it's I Milwaukee, Madison, there. and the rest of the state yeah. is Alabama, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty, or, you know, at least Iowa. Yeah. So, but this is, there, there's just, there's a lot of energy here. Who's the terrible, Lynn? There's a lot of Lynn Wood energy around decertification of this thing. And that's, but we need more serious energy. And we just have never, in my estimation, I know there's good people plugging away on this, but there's never been a turning of the tide on this. And it can't just be our friend up in uh, northern Wisconsin, um, the, Karen, the, Karen Mueller. Mueller yeah, yeah. You know, she needs some help. I mean, she just told you not very long ago. Like, can can anybody do me a solid here? So I wish you were right, but no. I'm gonna buy, and and the reason I'm gonna buy is because we've mentioned now. The Rittenhouse case. You mentioned Karen Mueller. Um, we've you've mentioned we've mentioned in your answer and in the question several things that are independent of each other, but mm-hmm. all located in the same state. Yeah, with with largely the same premise of or, or fervor, have all been cited. And you also have primary politics and other things going on there with a with an, an interest in um, you know replacing Governor Evers, who now we've. Our own Daniel Horowitz has uncovered, signed a bunch of jailbreak bills that basically let Brooks out of prison uh, early on, uh, despite, what is it, five offenses and two of them felonies, I think it is. There is, there's a booyah base there. And you've got a state legislator who is, who's pushing this. So it's somebody who's in office, who's pushing this decertification thing. And I, I just, I stop and I think, Short of Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, which frankly could happen. Um, what's the political incentive for him to stop pushing it? None. Absolutely not. I don't think there's any. None. I don't think there's any at all. And if and that see, this is this is what Ted Cruz found out when he first got to the Senate. 
This is what Chip Roy has discovered now in the House. What these people don't want to do is take votes. They don't want to take votes. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have to go on the record. And, and as long as between both Ted's principles and that he also had ambition to run for president, and I don't say that negatively, right. that's, that's where those two things are feeding each other. We want that, right? right. We, you want that. And now you've got Chip, who is just principled, and now, now he's just pissed, okay? Now he's just pissed off, all right? Now he feels like y'all are wait, you've wasted my time here, and I'm going to make you pay for it now. I'm going to make you vote on everything now, okay? And I'm showing up for it all, all right? I'm, if, if we've got that level of urine and vinegar involved, I shouldn't have to give you a lesson on urine and vinegar, no. Mr. Erzin. If, if, if this guy is really committed to this, and can't be threatened or offered something or talked off a ledge, they want to avoid voting on this at all costs, okay? But if he really has that Chip Roy level of zero negative integer Fs given, with what's already in the water table there amongst the people, I could see it happening. So I will buy. I, I don't know what the odds are. I don't know that I'd you know, put money on it, but I, don't, I wouldn't as dismiss it as easily as you did either. Hey, I hope you're right. Okay. Next, we got a Will Kane's hair, Mount Rushmore. I love that, I love that name. <laughs> Mount Rushmore of Lions Thanksgiving football games. First overtime, 1980, Bears-Lions. Bears is that beat the, the Lions Eddie Payton play. return? Walter sure. Payton's brother? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Uh, heads or tails, 1998 yeah, Lions versus well. Steelers. That's where they changed the coin flip rule. Uh, Jerome Bettis got screwed. Uh, Payton Manning, six TDs in 2004 versus the Lions. Okay. And uh, stun undefeated Lombardi, a Packers, 1962. I mean, I wasn't alive for that, but I mean, that's a great list. I would probably have a couple of others that are more in my in my lifetime, you know. But um, that's a, there was a phenomenal game. I think it was 94 uh, or 95, uh, us and the Vikings. It was like first one to 50 won that game. And Barry Sanders ran for like 7,000 yards. That was really exciting. Um, but that's a fairly good list, you know, so I'll buy it. Sure. I'll buy it. I don't have any members of great games other than when I was a kid. And I can't, don't know if this is properly in context, but I, I remember Jan Stenerud coming on the field to kick a, a long field goal to push the Packers, uh, I assume, over the Lions. So Okay. There's, the, there's also the Lawrence Taylor game also where there was the against the Giants where that went into overtime. And we were driving for a touchdown and then threw it right to Lawrence Taylor and he turned it for a pick six. So, Next we go to Tyler Brown. I love this list. Mount Rushmore of Thanksgiving annoyances. That one cousin that's finishing up their first semester at an art college. (laughs) Overly dry turkey. Christmas ads everywhere. I don't like that one. And the Lions. So I got to buy them all, right? Yeah. All right. So you know I have to sell on this. The Christmas ads everywhere. Are you kidding me as a kid? You, you, dude, you watch. I watched all those gay ass uh, pr- pr- portrayals of Broadway shows. I didn't give a rip and a stroke about. Okay, why did I endure the entirety of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? What happens at the end? Santa. Santa! Yes, that's why you watch the whole thing. Okay, so because Santa is how it finishes, and now it's on, man. It is on. All right, the kid Nirvana known as Christmas is officially on like Donkey Kong. So, no, I have to sell. I'm fine with the rest of them, but I have to, I have to sell because if I have to take it whole cloth, then, then I'm a, oh, hell no. Give me those Christmas ads. You know what? I, I, believe it or not, I, I will 
actually sell as well. My man! I, I'm not, you know, I didn't watch the whole damn parade just to get to Santa. But this is <laughs> this is where, you know, convergence. It is, I, November isn't Christmas season. It is pre-game I'll never go pre-Christmas season. Pre-season, that's it, that's it. But here you are in that that weekend, there's definitely a convergence, and there's that special feeling that is a Thanksgiving special feeling that kind of lights the spark of everything to come. So, yeah, I don't find... It's welcome there. It's, It's welcome during that weekend. Now, if you run into that one crazy cousin who is going to an art college... And they become a pain in your rear. I don't know that Omega XL will help you with that, but it can help you with one of the over 300 places in your body, one of the 300 plus joints where inflammation can creep, can seep in, and that's usually the cause of your chronic pain and stiffness and achiness and soreness. All right. So if you're seeking an all natural anti inflammatory that's backed by decades, 35 years, in fact, of clinical research in the last couple of years of my own personal testimony, using it on a daily basis. By all means, I would recommend that you give Omega XL a shot. You can buy one bottle, get a second one for free. That's the offer today. Buy one, get a second one for free. When you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve, again, OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or give him a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. Next, we will go to Go Bucks and Cancer Sucks, who says the top five ways you can tell you're getting old. Five, having to stretch before physical activity. Buy, sell, or hold. This is not a Mount Rushmore. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm busting out the trigger point roller and everything nowadays before every workout, so yeah. Number four, having to take medication to enjoy the foods you love. I mean, that's I don't, true for a lot of people. That's true for a lot yeah. of people. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Number yeah. three, hearing childhood songs on the classic radio station. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, dude. Yes. Okay. Like, Kaja Goo Goo is on classic vinyl on Sirius XM now, and it's just blowing my friggin' mind. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there's also, there's a 2010s music station now on Sirius XM that You're my fired. wife and I You're fired. have been listening to. Screw you. Uh, 2010s. Number two, yeah. Number two, seeing your favorite movie appear on TCM. That now I'm a classic movie buff. Okay, I mean I get the reference. I get it. Okay, I mean like The Goonies is on TCM now, so I get it. But I mean I, you know, if, if I see Wizard of Oz on TCM, it's almost like Napoleon Dynamite. I will tune in to watch like five minutes of it every time. But I get the reference, even though I'm a classic movie guy. But I get the reference, so I'll buy. Sure. Yeah. And number one, becoming a grandparent. That's so. You got. By the time you're Doesn't that make you feel young again, though? No, you, I yeah, kind of think it might be the other way around. I don't agree. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, the energy level and stuff off yeah. of those kids. Yeah, I, I now having not been a grandparent yet, but looking ahead, I'm closer to that stage now than not being so, okay? Um, I almost kind of wonder if, like, I'm realizing we're running out of Christmases with the kids, and what's it going to be like? Is it going to be kind of lonely and quiet around the house, you know? What's the solution to that? Mm-hmm. The grandkids. I kind of wonder if that might have the opposite effect. So I got to sell on that. Yep, me too. Yeah. Uh, let's get this one in real quick before the break. Uh, Turducken <laughs> says Mount Rushmore <laughs> of Thanksgiving dinner scenes, The Blind Side. That's that. I'm, gosh, I haven't seen that movie in a while, yeah. but that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Home for the Holidays. I don't know. I don't know that yeah, one. Yeah, I don't know that one. Uh, Rocky. Wow. I've never that's pulled a poll. The, yeah, that is a poll. 
Yeah. The Rocky Thanksgiving. That's yeah. not even coming to Yeah, I, that's not coming to mind either. Uh Spider Man two thousand two. That's underrated. Yeah, that's an underrated one. So you're selling though. I gotta sell though. Yeah, because yeah, I don't know what home for the holidays is. Sell. Okay. Nice try. Oh man. We uh we gotta save this one for after the break. Okay. The next one for after the break, I'm sorry. Okay. I got to look up Home for the Holidays. There was I, that sounds familiar. Is that some sort of Hallmark? I don't know. There thing? was a, there was a TV movie when I was a real little kid called The Gathering. I remember that was like a sounds when they, like a horror movie. No, when they still did made for TV movies, the networks did. I think it was called The Gathering, and it was uh, it does sound like a horror movie, but it, it was just Ed Asner's the dad, and he dies, and so this is the first year that the family gets together for Thanksgiving without him. I don't know why I just thought about that because I was trying to think of movies that are like Thanksgiving themed movies and that one, some obscure TV movie from 1977 came to my mind because I'm... You have helped clarify absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's because I'm weird. We'll come back more in a moment. You know, one way you can get away from that annoying cousin at Thanksgiving that goes to art school. I mean, you could just move to Panama. Now, that might be an extreme solution, but chances are it will also save you quite a bit of money as well. It has become one of the leading wealth and retirement havens here in our hemisphere. Find out why, because you can live in luxury there for about 25 grand a year. Uh, pay zero income tax, healthcare about twenty six hundred bucks or so a year. Uh, if you are in the six figures, I mean, even low six figures, you're going to live there uh, like a prince. All right, it's the number one again wealth protection haven, retirement haven right now in our hemisphere. If you want to get more information on it, get a free copy from the American's Guide to Living and Retiring in Panama. Uh, when you go to uh, buypanamanow.com slash Steve, get a free copy of this at buypanamanow.com slash Steve, even if it's just a snowbird thing for you, buypanamanow.com slash Steve. Let's get back to Buy, Sell, or Hold, part two. Aaron? Let's go to Sean Griffith's top programs on Trump's future news channel, Warp Speed News Update, brought to you by Pfizer. Oh, dude. No. Yep. No. I'm going to sell. Bill O'Reilly spin cycle. Wow. Wow. Guys, my inbox, I have not had a day without one of y'all firing a blast across O'Reilly's bow. It's been going on a month now. I mean, this is just like daily. People are like giving me updates on what he says. I mean, the the anti-O'Reilly fervor within this audience has not waned. One iota, but I love that idea. I'm going to buy. Hannity and Graham shooting the insurrectionist uh, a breeze. Oh, yep. See, Hannity and the Hannity and Graham getting to the bottom of it, but I kind of like that too, so I'll buy that. Yeah. And finally, Fauci and friends weekly Sunday roundtable for all things COVID. Selling on that one. Yeah. yeah. I prefer to. I, I would. I wish I could have said I would sell on all of them, but I have to admit I think a couple are at least possible. Very yeah. possible. Yeah. Next up, we will go to Ethan Vincent. The reason the FBI doesn't seem to care about investigating the Vegas shooter is because he's one of theirs. 
I, I think you just have to put almost anything on the table yep. these days. So I'll buy based on potential. I mean, that, that to me is every bit as possible as there's no known method or motive for how a guy, despite uh, doing so in the most surveilled city in America, turned like the 40th floor wherever he was staying into a sniper's nest at a hotel on the Strip and nobody saw anything or knows why he did it. Uh, that to me is far more fantastical than what Ethan is asserting. Isn't It's kind of like the, it's a version of the uh, Black Mirror update that the mm-hmm. only one I've ever seen, the Black Mirror, excuse me, that I've ever seen, that the that was an experiment on the entire people by a psychopath who who knew almost certainly that he'd get away with it, and he did. The people did exactly what he thought. And if if we want to just take that lesson here, what if, what if, before everything we're about to go through now with the January, we, we were about to go through with the election, January sixth, COVID. They're like, we gotta have a tri- we gotta have a tryout here. Could we could we pull this off and just make it go away because people want to care because it happened to the right kind of crowd? And sure enough, I, I just I wouldn't. We we just went through a period of time where the FBI allowed itself to be the investigatory arm of the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign. Uh, I mean, the FBI was turned into an oppo research firm for the Hillary Clinton for president campaign. I, I just, I mean, Epstein didn't kill himself. I mean, I, I just, I, there's not much. They're admitting UFOs are real. I, I Tell me, tell me, in fact, don't. Because I don't even want to contemplate what is it now. A friend of mine sent me a text yesterday on something I sent them. And they said, I, I've, Sadly, I've lost the ability to be shocked anymore. I wish, they said, I wish I could still be shocked by things. And I'm like, sadly, amen. So tell me what it is, or don't tell me, because of how far we'd have to scrape the bottom of the rabbit hole to get there. Or if somebody posited something at you that they put at least one serious thought into, you would instantly dismiss as way too crazy. Come on, man. You're taking crazy pills. You know, I can't. I, I'm, I mean, I just don't know what that is at this point. I just don't. Aaron. Next, we go to Bobby and Gulo. Steve will eat at least 50 pumpkin-flavored items over the Thanksgiving weekend. Other than the latte thing, because I'm not a coffee drinker, but uh, Bilt Bars, pumpkin pie... Cookies, pumpkin bars. Yeah, that's a solid buy. Shrimp gumbo. Yes, you, you can fry it. You can yeah. saute it. Yes, absolutely. Yep. I hear, I'm feeling Bye. you. Yeah. Next, we go to Dude, rocketing. I'm using pumpkin soap right now. All right. that that uh, is it goat soap? Is that what it's called? One of Glenn's longtime clients that sent yeah. us all the gift stuff? And so they sent one of them for each of us. You know I took the one that had the pumpkin spice soap. I'm I'm literally bathing in pumpkin spice the last couple of days. That's how dedicated to this I am. Yes. Next up, we got a rocket engineer who says Fox Sports college football analyst Joel Klatt is on the spot about the next iteration of the college football playoff, needing these three attributes. One, bye weeks for the top national teams. Two, home field advantage for conference champions. And three, play newly added rounds on collegiate campuses. Two and three are kind of the same. I don't know about there's a there's an issue here okay and and 
and that's the bowl system. The reason you pick 12 teams is because how many how many bowl games are considered the major bowl games? They're called, right now, what are they called? The New Year's what? Six. Six. And if it's two teams to a game, how many teams is that? 12. See where I'm getting at mm-hmm. here? So, that, so it's not just that 12 is a nice number and it's the number that they could get Notre Dame and the SEC to agree to, okay? Um, it, it also satisfies your contractual obligations because you can you can essentially keep those bowl games and and not have to cancel any of them, not move any of them. And they all, in fact, they're even more valuable now because instead of just two of those games being a playoff game every year, all of them are, all right? All, only two of the six are a playoff game every year. Those are the two bowls that host the semifinals. This year, it's the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl. Now, all six of them are every year. That is a printing press far beyond playing the games on college campuses. Okay, so even though that would be greater, that would be greater atmosphere. And boy, howdy, would it not be fun oh. to have to make those southern or western schools come up and play in Madison, Wisconsin in mid December versus Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. I'd love, I mean, get a get a load of that for a change. Okay, um, because whenever we we've played postseason games, it's it's basically their home games. Whether it's the Rose Bowl and you're playing USC or UCLA. I mean, look at Michigan's record in the Rose Bowl against Washington historically compared to playing UCLA and USC. Well, what's the difference? It's not Washington's home field or their hometown. I know USC plays at the Coliseum, but it's just across town from where they play, right? Those are, the, those are huge advantages. Most of the Big Ten's best bowl games, other than Pasadena, are in what are where? In Florida, okay? So it's a big advantage to play for those teams. That being said, the monetary advantage, and you don't have to move any of the bull contracts at all, uh, I think they will find a way to preserve that, so I will sell. Yeah, I sell. Just remember remember when we used to be happy this time of year because of football? No. You know? Well, uh, once in 2015. Is, this is like, all of this, it's, it's amazing how much it's like instant replay. I, I, I agree with all, everything Steve said, but like the... Cl- the closer we try to get to some version of perfect, the more unhappy we are about all of this. It's I agree with you on this front. To me, though, once you became a, a playoff-driven sport, you now have to become. You have to take a model from the NFL, and you have to have a credible playoff system. We don't have that right now. We have an invitational, right? Okay. To me, I, I liked the system we grew up with, with but the, the controversy. Were invitationals, and people loved it. And- yeah, yeah, but they, but, but. It wasn't with the promise of getting to a finale, finality, okay? I mean, there were decades and decades of tradition where the Big 8 champion was going to the Orange Bowl and the Big 10 and Pac-10 champions were going to the Rose Bowl and the SEC champ was going to the Sugar Bowl. And if that's if, if, if because of bowl obligations, you're undefeated and you're in the national championship race and you don't play each other, that was part, that was accepted, all right? I miss the days of nine getting up on New Year's Day, having nine games on, and 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 by the end of the day, something has been determined. I mean, there were there people forget that famous Nebraska Miami uh, Orange Bowl in 1983, uh, when Miami pulled the upset. Miami was ranked fifth in the country that that day. All right. So earlier that day, you had number two Texas lost to uh, or number two Georgia lost to Texas in the Cotton Bowl, or maybe it was the other way around. Michigan almost upset number three Auburn in the Sugar Bowl. 
And so that allowed a team ranked fourth or fifth in one day to jump up and win the national championship because all those other games and those results mattered accordingly, all right? Notre Dame won a national championship with Joe Montana in 1977 the same way. They were ranked fifth in the nation on New Year's Day, upset the number one team, Texas, in the Cotton Bowl, and then there were a bunch of other upsets, and they got all the way to the national championship. That drama where you had to tune into every single game. We knew the orders of these games growing up as kids, right? You'd have that early, it used to be the Hall of Fame Bowl, then it became this, you know, the the Citrus or the Outback Bowl, okay? Then you had, that was always like at 10 a.m. or whatever, the Cotton Bowl on CBS with Lindsey Nelson was always the very first game. And then the Rose Bowl in the afternoon and the Sugar Bowl and Orange Bowls would be uh, you know, that night is the nightcaps and Keith Jackson calling the Sugar Bowl before they got the Rose Bowl contract. Uh, maybe I'm just getting old with nostalgia, but I don't know, man. I thought those were some great days. So, That's what correct I'm me. In the BCS system, though, the coaches and AP poll had much bigger yes. say, correct? Yeah. Yes. Do you really want sports uh, reporters in this day and age having that much of a say on teams' futures? I well, That, that yeah, coach is that, a racist. Think, yes. That guy looked at me the wrong yeah. way. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. So to me, if we're going to get into a playoff, what they want to do with it is better. You have to have it. Let's have an NFL model, a defined standard for what it takes to get in. We don't have that now, you know, so we don't have that now. Um, and, and so we don't have a playoff now. We have an invitational yeah, we, and the whole damn thing is subjective. Yeah, but ever since we went to four and setting aside the how much this group of four has changed the recruiting to make Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State – if I can set that aside for a yep. second, look, no one, the the part that drove people nuts was solved with this. Even if it's not purely objective, no one spends any time complaining uh, uh, for more than a day about who the fifth team was. And how long have we been doing this now, Steve? Since 2014 first was the first year. It's worked. And it, and it hasn't. I mean, it has been what you say it is. It's been subjective. It's done the job. The problem is you can't set aside what you set aside. But because because of the subjective nature of this, okay, because of the subjective nature of this, it has created a two-tiered recruiting system, the likes of which we have never, ever seen in college football before. Because there is no objective standard by which you would accomplish what you want. And so that subjectivism just feeds into the subjectivism of recruiting. This is what happened in college basketball. This is why you had dynasties for decades, not to the UCLA variety, but you had dynasties for decades. You had to be a conference champ to, in order to get in the tournament. Um, you know, and, and there was one year in the 70s where Maryland and North Carolina, I think it was, were like number, or Maryland and NC State were number one and two. David Thompson was on that team. John Lucas. Maryland and NC State were like one and two in the nation. And only one of them was getting in the NCAA tournament because that, you know, if you didn't win the ACC tournament, you were out. Well, nowadays, how much more parity do we have? Because that second place team in the ACC might still be a top five team. You still have to beat them. You didn't have to do that before. And so the reason why you have parity with the playoff system in the NFL is because there's an objective standard by which you get in. This is all subjective. That's why Cincinnati, I don't believe Cincinnati would be ranked in the top four tonight. I don't agree with it. But Michigan, I think, will jump them tonight. And I say that as a Michigan fan. And why do I think that? Because they're going to do everything they can to not put Cincinnati in that top four. And it's easier to do it later if you never put them in the top four the whole time. You know what I'm saying? Then if you tried to pull what happened to TCU and, and Baylor a few years ago when Ohio State got in the last. This whole thing, why has Michigan been ahead of Michigan State? 
because they want Michigan to be in the New Year's Six Bowl games and not Michigan State. So they had to jump them ahead of them, even though Michigan State beat us on the field. The entire damn thing feeds into a level of subjectivism that creates a fait accompli of injustice on the field. And and that has to be corrected. There are two ways to correct it. Go to a real playoff or return the sport to its regional roots that it had for 100 years. One or the other. But this kind of in-between system of we don't really know what the standards are, we don't see the ballots of the committee when they vote, okay? They meet in rooms, then they come out and they reverse engineer outcomes. What we have now is a star chamber. That's the worst of both worlds. Either go to an actual playoff where I know if I do something, I make it. In the NFL, I know if I play 17 weeks and win my division, I'm in. I don't know what seat I am. I don't know if I'll host a game. Well, I will host a game, but I don't know what seat I am, if I'm playing the first weekend or not. But I know if I'm the best team in my division, I did my job. That's one thing I can do to win. There is nothing you know you can do to make a playoff in college football. Short of be a team coach by Nick Saban with one loss or less. Then you're in no matter what. Anybody else, there's, we don't have a playoff system. And so it, it, it's the worst of every world. But yet as much, I mean... This isn't run by the NCAA, but listen, college sports, there's so much ridiculousness there. I still say, objectively speaking, this has actually turned out to be. uh, There's very few people who can complain about the four teams that have made it in since 2014. Oh, I disagree with that. It's turned out. I disagree with that. There's a complaint every single year. Not I mean, a real, I mean, reasonable the, the, one that anybody the, cares about like it did beforehand when it was just two teams. Then it was just pull your hair out on fire. We got to change it. We got what people wanted. Like who, who since 2014 is everybody agrees just totally the very got first, screwed. the very first year that people think teams got, we're going to run out of time here, but so that we could do a whole show on this and I got to talk about real estate agents. I trust.com. All right. So otherwise we're all fired. So before we get out of here, uh, if you want to get into the real estate market in between arguing with Todd about sports non sequiturs during these unprecedented times, Bing. make sure, thank you, make sure that you do so with an agent you can trust. Where would you find them? Head to the website. The name kind of says it all. You'll get a real estate agent with a fully vetted track record of success, uh, as well as somebody who will come in, take charge of your situation while remembering that ultimately you are the one in charge. You get that when you go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. That's going to do it for us this week. We're out of here for the rest of the week for Thanksgiving. All of you, enjoy your holiday. Do it right. We'll see you again on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.